this wasn't the place for them. For it was a trade-off, one kind of pressure for another, but no less exacting. It took a certain personality to take on the medical needs of a whole town. The phone rang. She glanced at the clock. 6.15. That was another thing. There was no such thing as being on call. There was you. Period. She reached for the phone, but the damn cordless didn't work. Out of juice. She'd forgotten to plug it in again. With a towel wrapped loosely around her and hair dripping in stringy tendrils to her shoulders, she made a dash for the kitchen phone. The presence of strangers in the living room caused her to yelp in shocked surprise and dive behind the kitchen counter. Then she slowly rose and peeked over the counter into her small living room as the phone rang on. Had she really seen what she had seen? Four people. A man, a woman, two teenagers, boy and girl. The woman had a horrible scar running down the left side of her face. It took June a second to realize it was an old wound. The family had not come for help with that. They sat on her sofa, nice as you please, not in any way alarmed by her state of undress. The phone continued to ring as she peered over the counter. You the doctor? The man finally asked. Um, yes, that would be me. By their out-of-date clothing and questionable manners, June assumed they were from the backwoods, subsistence farmers or mountain people. Since Grace Valley sat at the junction of three counties, it was impossible to tell which one they might be from. She didn't recognize these folks. Maybe they'd never before sought medical treatment. Got a problem with the boy here. June tightened her towel and reached for the phone. Excuse me, she said to the family. I'll be with you in just a moment. She slid down behind the counter again. Hello, she said into the phone. Hi there, her father said. I thought I'd better call and tell you that some family from back in Shell Mountain stopped George Fuller along the road and asked for directions to your house. Well, what the hell was George thinking? She whispered fiercely. I don't imagine George thinks much if he can help it. They're here. Let themselves in and took a seat in the living room while I was in the shower. Mercy. Well, would you like... I'm practically naked. I had to run to the kitchen phone wearing only a towel. Elmer cackled, a laugh that had a slight wheeze to it, pipe smoking having taken its toll. I bet they hadn't counted on that. I'm going to kill George. Elmer could hardly speak, he was laughing so hard. Right now, I'll bet you wish you'd plugged in that cordless phone for once. Her father seemed to have some simple psychic ability, a talent that did not amuse June at the moment. Dad, if you see George before I do, tell him I want him to suffer before he dies. You really need a dog, June. Haven't I been saying so? You want me to come over? What for? I can handle this now. Okay, then. Is tonight meatloaf night? If I survive the day she answered, and hung up without saying goodbye. 
Elmer was going to get a kick out of this a lot longer than she would. June made sure her towel was secure, then slowly stood and looked at the family. Dad wore a suit jacket that was probably 30 years old, and Mom wore a hat. They'd put on their Sunday best for a trip to the doctor, but it seemed like they'd had a hard journey. If the man hadn't said his boy needed a doctor, June would have thought the woman was in some need. The scar that marred her face ran deep from her forehead to her chin, across a blind eye that drooped sadly. It looked as if she'd taken an axe in the head. It gave June a headache just to look at it, though obviously the wound was years old. A childhood accident, perhaps. The boy must be in bad shape for them to come to her house. She saw he wore one boot and one clean sock. This did not bode well. Let me get dressed, then I'll look at your son. Stay.